Thank you guys. I just want to commend you for being here. I know that um, you all had to come overcome a lot of ought to's and should's in order to make this happen, this time happen for yourself. And um, I know a lot of times as women we can feel like that's selfish to push away the ought to's and the should's and to carve out time and space for ourselves. But we have to do that. And God wants that time with us. And so um, I just commend you for making that happen and um, for what you had to what you had to do in order to be here. And um, I know that the Lord is going to meet you in this time and bless you um, for the sacrifices that you've made and just for just for pulling away and taking this Sabbath time to um, to reflect on him. Um, I want to um, just open in prayer. So if y'all will pray for me. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time that you've set apart for us to be here together. Thank you, Lord, for each woman that is here. And um, just pray that you would bless the things that she has left behind, that you would free her heart and mind during this time to be able to um, just focus on you, to focus on your word and your truth, to focus on her own heart, her own spirit, and to be able to just grow and be challenged in what you have for her. Lord, take um, these words and this message and, Lord, just penetrate each one of our hearts with the message that you would have us hear. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for being present with us. Amen. Well, we are going to look together um, at um, peace this weekend. Um, we're going to talk tonight and tomorrow morning about peace. And um, we're going to look at that from um, Philippians. You know, I think as women, we tend to engage the world as nurturers, whether we're moms and wives or sisters, daughters, friends, girlfriends. We, we tend to engage the world um, as nurturers. We take care of people. And that can often leave us in a situation where we feel like we're overwhelmed with burdens, our own burdens, the burdens of other people. And um, can often leave us in a place where we're really looking for peace. And so we're going to look at that together. We're going to look at um, a couple of um, scriptures about peace. Tonight we're going to focus in on Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me just start by saying, if when you see the verses on the screen or um, the later reflection verses, that I'm a big fan of kind of the Bible for dummies. So most of my <laughs> scriptures come from like the New Living Translation or something because it's just what I like. So if you're thinking, I've heard that verse before, but not quite so simply, <laughs> then just know that that's, that's where I tend to gravitate. So... Hopefully, I think reading verses in different versions can sometimes bring out different truths to us and, and kind of make different things pop out. So maybe you'll see some versions, see some verses that you know um, when, when we do our reflection verses later and, um, and over the course of the um, next couple days together. But maybe you'll see them in a fresh way. And so um, I hope that that will help with that too. Um, so just a little background. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter um, to the Philippians. Um, the church at Philippi was one that Paul started on one of his missionary journeys. So um, he, um, Paul wrote this letter from prison, 
probably near the end of his life. Um, and the, the church at Philippi had some distinctions. And this letter he wrote to the Philippians has some distinctions from um, a lot of Paul's other letters. Um, if you read a lot of Paul's letters, he talks, there's a lot of, here's what you need to be doing. Do these things. Don't do these things. Um, and um, often some kind of rebukes for things that they're doing wrong. But when he wrote to the Philippians, there was a lot more, um, I'm thankful for the things that you are doing. And commendation. A lot of, keep on doing what you are doing. And the, a lot of the things that he praised them for were their partnership in the gospel. Just, um, they, were, they, were not, they financially supported Paul um, during some of his time as a missionary. But they, they also just had a kindred heart. For, for the gospel and for seeing others come to know the Lord. And Paul felt that, um, that kinship with them. And he commended a lot their relationship with the Lord and their relationship with others. Um, I have looked to the scriptures trying to figure out how am I going to find peace. But I've tended to look at this verse, um, this passage, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, as kind of a recipe for peace. So I drew us a little a cheeky little recipe card here. Um, that um, basically, when I would have viewed this, I've kind of approached it as um, Paul saying, okay, don't worry about anything. Step two, pray. When you're praying, make sure that you're telling God what you need and thanking Him for what He's done. And then, kind of a, you know, bake it 350, and then the product is going to be peace. Peace which passes understanding. God's going to take away the worry, and He's going to bring about the peace. And I think we like a recipe because... Recipes feel predictable. We feel like we have a measure of control when we have a, re when we have a recipe. Um, if I do the recipe in the right way, I'm going to get the desired result. And, um, it, you know, when I think about recipes, it just makes me think about Pinterest. And so, <laughs> I don't know if y'all are on Pinterest, um, but... I think a lot of times we think, you know, okay, if I, if I find a recipe and the picture looks good and I think, okay, if I do these steps in the right way, I'm going to get it, I'm going to, you know, bake it and I'm going to pull it out and it's going to be a cake that looks like this. But I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen all the Pinterest fails that go around. Yes, and I have created some myself. And so when we, when we pull it out and it doesn't look like what the picture looks like, um, I think we start asking ourselves some questions. First of all, okay, did I do something wrong? All right, I was talking on the phone while I was making it, so did I forget to put in the eggs? This thing doesn't look like this, or I'm tasting it. This thing doesn't taste right. Did I forget the sugar? Did I forget the butter? Um, what's going on? What's, what's wrong with me is one of the questions we ask. Or maybe we look at the recipe, we look back over it, and we think, no, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I did everything right. I did exactly what this recipe says. This is just a bad recipe. I mean, will they just let anybody put a recipe on Pinterest? They, they don't have some kind of criteria or something? I mean, what if this is just a bad recipe? It just doesn't work. And so I think we can start asking, you know, what's wrong with me? Or what's wrong with, what's wrong with this recipe? What's wrong with the person that put this recipe on Pinterest? And I think when the recipe for peace doesn't work in our lives sometimes, when we pray and we... We tell God what we need, and we thank Him for what He's done, and amen, and we still don't feel the peace. Or we do the recipe for months. We pray for months. We tell God for months or years what we need. We tell Him we're thankful. We seek Him. We trust Him. We're looking to Him. 
and we don't get the peace and we don't get the answer that we're expecting. We don't get the desired result. We pull out the cake and it doesn't look like what we think that the picture ought to look like. And I think we start asking the questions. Am I doing this wrong? Am I not praying the right things? Am I not saying the right words? Did I, did I not thank him for the right things? Maybe, I didn't. Maybe I'm just not doing it long enough. Maybe I need to be doing it more regularly. Maybe I need to be fasting while I'm praying. Maybe I need to have some other people also praying. Maybe I need to, you know, what, what is it that I could be doing differently? And I think sometimes we look at it and we think, you know what, I'm doing it right. I'm doing all of the things. I'm doing, following the recipe. I'm doing what it says. And then we look at God and say, what's wrong with you? Well, I know you're big. I know you're good. Why are you not doing this? I know you could be, you could be stepping in here. You could be bringing the peace and you're not doing it. I think if we look back at the verse and if we look more at what Paul's actually saying to the Philippians, God promises us a peace that not that comes through a formula or a recipe. God promises us a peace that comes through a relationship. He talks about, um, back, in, back in the scripture that we looked at in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says that his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And the peace is not a formula. It's not something that we can control. It's not something that we can... You know, that we have to do right in order to get the result. The peace comes through the relationship. And Paul knew the Philippians' relationship with God. Um, he talks about this in his letter to them. So we're going to look some about at the Philippians' relationship with God and some of the things that were true in that relationship that they had with the Lord and how that relationship leads to peace. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. Every time I think of, think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Next slide, please. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus. So you can see as we read that, just kind of the tone of his relationship with them, that love relationship that he had with them, and, and just the commendation. They were very dear to him, and he just felt that kinship with them. So we see that come through in that tone. Um, so we're going to look at three things. Oh, did that work, or did you do it? Oh. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my. Okay, so we're going to look at three things. Um, kind of three aspects of the Philippians' relationship um, with God. They belong to Christ. We're going to talk about that. They're growing in their knowledge and understanding of Him. And He, God, is at work within them to produce the fruit of a relationship with Christ. So kind of take note of these things if you're taking notes. Then we're going to kind of talk through each one of them. The first thing that I want us to look at is that the Philippians 
belong to Christ. Paul knew that because he's the one that started their relationship with Christ in, in Philippi. He went on a missionary journey there and he told them about Jesus. He told them that um, because they were because they were born with sinful hearts, hearts that didn't want to be ruled by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that they were enemies of God and that um, they couldn't have a relationship with God as his enemies. But God, because he loved them, because he loves us so much, um, came to earth and paid the price for that those sins, for our sins, the sins of our rebellion towards him. God paid that price by dying a criminal's death on the cross and rising again and saying it's finished. This That chapter, that era, that sin, the consequence for it, it's done. And... Now you can have life with me. You can be my sons and daughters. You can have that relationship with me. And so the Philippians had that relationship with Christ. They belonged to Christ. So I'm just to look at this verse here. There we go. Okay. Yes. Um, because, because they belong to Christ, that's kind of the, um, the foundational piece, um, piece of our peace. Because... <laughs> Is um, that's kind of the bottom floor of our um, our peace with God is um, because our relationship with Christ, belonging to Christ, allows us to have peace with God, and so um, our whole our whole relationship with with Him as we start growing in knowledge and understanding of Him, it's all built upon that foundational peace of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, so I want us to look at this um, verse. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So just understanding the, the sacrifice that God made for us, understanding the goodness of God towards us, understanding the overwhelming love that God showed us in doing that. Those of us who are moms know that um, the ultimate sacrifice that any anyone could ever be asked to make would be to give up one of their children. And that's the sacrifice that God made for us. And he, he made that sacrifice for us when we were his enemies to pay for the sins that we committed against him. So it's like when you put all that together, our minds can't even... We can't even fathom that. But it's the hugest of acts of love and it's the hugest of demonstrations of his goodness and his, and his love and mercy towards us. So another thing that's true is that the Philippians were growing in their knowledge and understanding of God. But our knowledge of God, as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God, it builds upon his love and goodness to us through Christ. So that's what I was talking about, the Christ being... Our relationship with God that starts belonging to Christ being kind of like the bottom floor. So then anything we learn, any further knowledge or understanding we get of God builds upon that, that foundation of the love that God showed us and the goodness and grace that God showed us on the cross. Basically, there's going to be things that you see or experience in this world. We've seen a lot of them lately or in your life 
that don't mesh up with God is good and he loves me. And if you're looking to those experiences, you're looking to the world to draw your conclusions about who is God and what is he like, you're going to draw the wrong conclusions. Because this world is not a good place. And a lot of times the things that happen in this fallen, broken world are not good. And so if we're trying to decide who God is, and we're trying to decide, is God good? Does he see? Does he love? Does he care? We've got to go back to that foundation of what happened on the cross. Because that is the ultimate, the ultimate expression of how God feels about us. This is one of those um, bedrock verses that I would strongly um, recommend committing to memory because it's one that I kind of go back to. It's one that I know and it's one that I go back to a lot because there's a lot of times when you hit up against life and um, you just kind of have to, and, and it causes you to wonder. You, you think, is God going to um, see me in this? Is, does God care about this? Is God good? Um, it says, God did not keep back his own son, but he gave him for us. If God did this, won't he freely give us everything else? It's like you've given, you've given, this is a dumb example, but it's like you've given somebody a kidney and then they ask you for a ride to the airport and you're like, no, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's like God did like the biggest of things possible. And, and so what this is saying is if he did that, won't he freely give us every good thing? It's like we can, we, we can always go back to who God is because of the cross. So if, we, if we're growing in knowledge and understanding of God, two primary ways that we do that are through his word. We, we read the Bible. We read the things that God has revealed to us about himself through his word. And we see how he interacts with people in the Bible. You know, we learn a lot just how he... We learn a lot about him through how he interacts with people um, in the Bible. So... If you're wanting to grow in your knowledge and understanding of God, read his word. And you're going to grow in your knowledge and your understanding of God. We also grow in our knowledge and understanding of him just by walking with him. Just doing life with him. And praying. And seeking him. And um, responding to the Holy Spirit within us as he prompts us to do things or not do things. And and we learn and we grow in, in our knowledge and understanding of God, just walking with Him, just doing life with Him. And, and through other people, in being in community, we see other people's walks with God. We see other people's experience with Him. And we grow. We, we grow in understanding more about who God is. And one thing that I would encourage you, um, as you're growing in knowledge and understanding of God... Um, Yes, you need, to, you need to take Bible verses that speak something to you, that they teach you something about God, that, um, that are, are new truths that you didn't know about God. And, and take note of those. Keep, keep track of those. Highlight them or write them down somewhere. Write them on a card and, and, and keep them where you can see them. But keep those, keep those things before you so that you're, you're remembering that knowledge and understanding 
of God that he's given you through his word. And I would also encourage you, just as you gain knowledge and understanding of God through life, that you also kind of take, take, take sort of screenshots, if you will, and, and kind of capture those moments of God's faithfulness. Um, that can look different ways for different people. Some people like to journal and write those things down. Some people kind of like to um, have physical, tangible um, monuments of sorts to things that God has done, like like they did in the Old Testament, where they would build monuments um, of of rocks and say these rocks symbolize these things um, that that God has done um, for our people. And so, you know, some people have a jar of rocks, and on the rocks they've written things that God has done for them, or or a stack of rocks in their yard, or but whatever. Whatever it is that, that means something to you, I would encourage you to just, I, I mean, the best thought that I have is like, kind of screenshot, screenshot those things so that you're capturing, you know, this is a time when I cried out to God and he heard me and, and he answered my prayer and he was faithful to me. This was a time when I felt like there was no hope and God gave me hope. This was a time when God stepped in for me and I just felt his presence in a way that didn't make sense based on the circumstance. Um, it's important that we, that we take note of those things because there's going to be times when we don't feel his presence. There's going to be times when we need to go back. And so as we're building on this foundation of, of the truth that we know about God from the cross then we also need to add our knowledge and our understanding of him and have those bedrock moments um, just from our own life. Part of growing in our knowledge and understanding of God is growing in the knowledge that we will never understand God. (laughs) Um, This is another one of those favorite passages of mine that I just find myself going back to all the time when God doesn't make sense. Um, and I learned this when I was in college. Um, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, I think what a lot of it comes down to is that God is active in this world. But his activity is not about making this world heaven. God's made a heaven, and we're going to go there and be with him someday, and he's promised that for us. God knows this is broken. He knows this is a mess. And that's why he's made a place that's perfect, where, where we are going to be with him someday. But his, his working in our lives and in this world is not about transforming this world into heaven. And frankly, I think a lot of times we have a different agenda from God. Because when we run up against problems, when we run up against things that we don't like, things that we don't understand, things that are broken, things that are not working the way they should, things that are causing pain and hurt, we think, God, why are you not fixing this? You could. Yeah, he could. He can create perfection. And he has. But his job and his his focus and goal is not doing that here. His activity is more about what he is doing in us to produce, as we said in the Philipp- with the Philippians, to produce the fruit of a relationship with him. 
That's what God is primarily about in this world. And another thing that I don't like a whole lot, (laughs) truthfully, is that God uses the brokenness of this world to produce in us the fruit of a relationship with Christ. That's just how he works. And the truth of it is, is if life is good and life is easy, then I think, I got this. And I'm going along and I'm doing my thing. And I'm, I'm really, I, I get very self-sufficient, very self-reliant. And, um, but when life gets hard, when life gets painful, when life gets messy and I'm overwhelmed and, I'm, and, I, and I feel like I can't handle it and I'm, and I'm broken and I'm hurting and I think I don't got this, that's when I'm looking up. That's when I'm looking to God. And that's when he has that opportunity to produce in me the fruit of righteousness that comes through my relationship with Christ. That's when he has that opportunity. He's got my attention now, right? (laughs) And that's when he has that opportunity to get in there and to work in my heart. I think God wants us to look at this not as something that we can control, not as something that, not as a recipe or a formula that we can do right. In order to get the result. You know. I feel like God gave me a word picture. When I was thinking about this. And just kind of this whole idea of of a recipe for peace. I don't know if y'all have bar stools in your house. But we do. And um, one of my favorite things is when I'm cooking dinner. For one of my girls to come and perch on one of the bar stools. And just talk to me. Just be with me while I'm cooking, and, um, you know, they might ask me about the food, they might say, what's for dinner, or when's it going to be ready, or can I have a snack if it's Layla, or, um, (laughs) but the greatest joy of that time doesn't have anything to do with the food. The greatest joy of that time is the relationship that grows, as they're sitting there telling me about their day, talking to me about the things they're feeling and thinking and, and expressing themselves to me, and we're just sharing and relating. And there's that trust relationship that they have in me. And they know that I'm cooking, that they're going to get food, that what I put them before them is probably going to be more good for them than they would prefer that it be. But it's that relationship. And I think... The Lord just gave me the picture that he wants us to take off the apron and put down the recipe card and walk around the bar and go sit on the bar stool. He wants us to just relate to him more in that way and to not try to view this as something that we're, we're in control of or as ourselves in the kitchen trying to get it just right so that we pull out the right kind of cake. But that we're trusting that he's got this, that he's working. And that um, what he gives us is going to be made with love. And it's going to be for our nourishment. So we're going to take some time. And um, we're going to reflect. Um, we're going to put some scriptures up on, um, up on the screen. And we're going to take some time and just reflect on some of the things um, that are true about who God is. Um, from the Bible. We're going to look at what's true about God, promises he makes. Um, I also want you to look at, as you're looking at these verses, what does he say about our relationship with him? 
Does he ask anything of us? And if so, what is that? So, uh, do you all see that well or well enough? Okay. So these ones at the bottom are not written. You just need to look those up if you want those. Okay. So we've got some. Right. Okay. So we've got some of them written out with your references, um, and then some of them at the bottom where you can um, look those up yourselves in your Bible. So we're just going to take some time. Ashley's going to play. We're going to have um, just this. This is your time to kind of reflect and process what the Lord's teaching you, what the Lord's showing you. So I would encourage you to work through some of these verses, or if that's not what you want to do, then don't do that. But you've got your journal, and um, take some notes from some of these things, and um, think about the peace that you're asking God for, and what needs to change, what needs to be different in your relationship with Him in order to get to that place. We also are going to have um, some people in the back who would, be, um, who would love to pray for you, um, we've, we've kind of got a little area set up back there where you, where you can pray and um, sometimes we get to a place where we need peace and we can't, we can't get there we can't get to that place of just being able to release and surrender and trust the Lord and a lot of times having people pray with you and pray over you can really help in that process we believe in the power of prayer